You're listening to Only Here for the Wi-Fi. What up, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, You tuned in to another episode of You Know What the Fuck's Up. And uh, I'm your host, Lazy Lung. Today on the show, we have Hawker's Beer, a.k.a. Mazen Hajar, coming to make some noise. And uh, we can't wait to get into it. Just doing my thing, posting that comment, you know, pinning the comments so you know what's up. Feel free to uh, send in any and all questions that you may have for him or myself or, you know, whatever you got, man. Share what you share your thoughts with us. Anyhow, Mezzin is in the room right now. Hawkers is online, so we're going to get him connected and we're going to get this interview going with no delay. Hey, Mez, what's up, my man? Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great, dude. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to speak to me and, uh, you know, share with everyone, uh, fans of the beer that you make and, and fans of you as a person. Of course, lots of friends and family from back home in Beirut. Um, I'm sure that they're thrilled to see you. I'm thrilled to be with you. I'm, I'm, it's been a while since I've connected with people in Beirut and, uh, you know, it's good to be back. Yeah, man. Well, it's been a, an interesting time hello, with this, this Corona thing. And honestly, this podcast and, and, uh, having conversations with people is it's been healthy in, 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 in a way of having a sense of community and highlighting and sharing, you know, good news, not just focusing on, that horrible shit that we won't get into because we don't need to do that. That's not what this is about today. You know what I mean? <laughs> Definitely. It's one comforting thing is it brings us back to our humanity that we have a shared problem all together. Definitely. No doubt. And speaking of humanity, I just want to say uh, a big mabruk and thanks to you for your, uh, the initiative that you've done with heroes gold. That's so cool, man. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, that was something that we did for the bushfires. Um, I mean, it, you know, I'm, I've become an Australian citizen now, and so I feel this is my second uh, home. I feel very attached to Australia the same way I feel attached to Lebanon. And um, the country went through um, probably the most horrific episode of fires that uh, has happened. I mean, if you think of the three biggest fires in the last decade, California, Siberia, and the Amazon, combine them and they're 20% smaller than what happened in Australia. And so there was a lot of Jesus. people and a lot of animals. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. And so we, we teamed up with um, a, a radio station, a local Melbourne radio station called Gold FM. Um, and it was really Christian O'Connell's morning show who basically initiated the contact. And we did this um, beer where all the profits were uh, donated to the relief fund. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful, dude. And I mean, it's, it's amazing that you're able to do that, uh, in Melbourne and you've always had this, um, you've always had this kind of connection to your community throughout, throughout your career. You know, um, the, I remember our, our first interactions actually, uh, were at your, um, at your bar at the time in Jamezi. And, uh, and later on through concerts that you would attend, you were, you were always there for arts and culture. And like, you really helped us 
get people drunk for cheap, you know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, well. <laughs> it was fucking amazing. I mean, you know, enjoy responsibly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> um, yo, for real though, uh, just a small request, just so, because I don't want you to, and the, it's annoying. If you could just move to this side of the screen, there you go. There you go. Because the thing is, is that, um, there are comments that people write up or whatever, and then your face is covered by comments. So this way you're oh, not, okay. yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking out for you, man. I'm always Can looking out for you. Can I have a beer? A hundred percent. Wait, Can is I that, is that right. the, uh, all around the. That's the orchard one? That's oh. our new peaches and cream sour beer. Oh, man. Kesak. Kesak. It's uh, one in the afternoon for me. I'm having my iced Americano. Just being a... Uh, mm. Yeah, it's five o'clock somewhere, as they say. Uh, it's order eight o'clock in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cheers, my man. Cheers. Cheers. Habibi. Yeah. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so tell me about this. Um, you have a, a number of limited editions. Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, look, so this is this is a sour beer. I mean, we never did any of this when I had 961 beer back in Beirut. Um, this is a beer that we intentionally infect with bacteria, with lactobacillus bacteria, which is basically the same souring agent that happens um, to sour a lot of things, including vinegar. And um, then we add a whole bunch of peaches. We add 20 grams of peach per liter of beer. Wow. And then we add lactose in the beer to give it that cream texture. So it's a mixture of this oh my sour and, and, and uh, sweet. It's a sweet and sour beer, basically. Um, and it, it's fucking delicious. <laughs> well, congratulations, dude. The, the, the design, the whole, the, the description of everything Kind of makes me want to book a flight to the down under and uh, you know and enjoy some of that some of that good good, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, there's a there's a great thriving beer culture here in Australia, and um, it, it's really a, a fantastic uh, canvas to to experiment and express yourself um, in terms of beer, at least. Yeah, so well, it's very exciting to be here. Absolutely, and. Um, I mean, you've you've done some pretty cool beers, even in in Lebanon. Uh, but of course, we're going to be mm-hmm. going to be focusing on on uh, things that, with hawkers. So, like, I just want to say props on that Zatar infused beer because that was cool. Everybody still remembers that beer. It's really bizarre. No matter where I travel, yeah. everyone brings up the Lebanese pale ale, which was basically a pale ale infused with Zatar, Mac, anise, chamomile, sage, and uh, mint. <laughs> Yeah, and <laughs> even in Australia, even when I like the other day, I was in Tasmania just before this whole coronavirus uh, BS, and uh, I I went into a restaurant and the guy was like, "Oh my God, you're the guy who made the Lebanese pale ale, that Zatar pale ale." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly." <laughs> Dude, it was really it was it was surprising. It was like having like a little minish in liquid form, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 you know we we, we have a we have a, a a kind of a snack here uh, called. Pizza, pizza, oh, Jesus, what was it called? Pizza bits or And it, it tastes exactly the same. People like come up and they go, yeah, that, that beer. <laughs> wow. So of the beers that you have, like, 
I'm I'm not exactly the most educated fella in terms of I'm no I'm no you know connoisseur or whatever you want to whatever you want to say, but like what's the difference between a stout and a rover? <laughs> okay, so start at the basics. All alcohol comes from fermentation, right? And everything's either a beer or a wine, and the, the difference is essentially whether you're deriving your sugars from grain or from um, fruit. So cider is a wine and sake is a beer, just to confuse people a bit more. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, we take those grains and basically, depending on how, well, how, how long you roast them, they change color and they change complexity in sugar. So think of putting sugar in a frying pan on a fire. Right. It begins to caramelize. And then it turns brown, and then it burns into black. And that's exactly what happens with roasted malt. So it'll be pale in color if it's lightly roasted at a low temperature. And you get a pale beer that's easily fermentable. And as you, you keep it longer on the fire, the, the, the molecules, the sugar molecules begin to bond. And uh, it becomes more caramelly, more full mouthfeel, things like that. Okay. So, so your stout is a burnt roasted um, uh, malt that ends up being uh, it, it's it, it has hints of coffee and chocolate and nuttiness right uh, but it's it doesn't mean that the beer is heavier or more bitter or anything like that it's, it's just completely different well interesting and I, i've never heard of a rover beer is that like an australian thing that they just is like oh, oh no yeah. no that's just a brand no no that's a brand that we came up so our so he, the, the background of why it's called Hawkers is that basically um, I was selling beer in Sydney uh, one day. I was selling 961 beer in Sydney and my distributor, we were knocking on doors. And Australia, people don't realize, is a massive country. Oh, yeah. Ginormous. It could, I mean, it's as big as, it's 10% smaller than China with 25 million people, right? You, you fly six hours, five hours, six hours in one direction and you're still in the same country. Um, so... The original, we were in Sydney and we were trying to sell beer, knocking door on door, door, door to door. And uh, my distributor said, oh, you've gone back to your roots. Uh, you're hawking. And I didn't know what the expression meant. And it turns out that um, the original Lebanese immigrants in the 1800s were hawkers. And a hawker is basically a street vendor, a guy on a pushcart who knocks on doors and, and sells his wares. And it, it, it's commemorized and... There's a bridge across the center of Melbourne where there are massive um, immigration tombstones celebrating each population. And it says the first Lebanese that came here were hawkers. Now, hawkers roamed the earth, roved around the earth. And so when we wanted to create a second brand, we called it Rover, the guy who roves around the country. Oh, shit. Well, there you go. That's awesome, man. That's yeah. cool. I wasn't and, sure. And, and, and that beer has two be that That brand has two beers basically a lager and ale and they're called henty street ale which is where um the brewery is located and gilbert road which is basically the the next road up yeah there it is the 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 green and the yellow yeah exactly and those are the australian colors hey, yeah. well, hey what, 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 uh -huh, uh -huh. 
little credit, maybe. <laughs> I see. I see what you're doing there. Yeah. I see what you're doing. There. Except for it has nothing to do with Australia. It's John Deere fucking farming equipment. Because um, <laughs> I'm country like that, man. I love me some country. Anyway, um, so yeah, okay. So what's the difference between a West Coast IPA and your run of the mill IPA? Um, so there's multiple variants of IPAs, right? And after this one, um, I'm going to crack myself a double IPA, a double amber IPA. And so there, there's, a, there's a whole variety <laughs> of of, uh, <laughs> of IPAs. West Coast tends to be crisper, drier. The malt has less presence. And East Coast, what is now known as a New England or a hazy IPA, tends to be more yeast-focused, more big on hops, huge on hops. Okay. But more creamy, uh, more more uh, sweeter than a West Coast. So a West Coast is drier, sharper, more bitter. Okay. And you run on the mill IPA. I mean, the IPA is the biggest style, so there's multiple categories in IPA. Yeah, I I just wasn't sure if it was like um, West Coast, as in West Coast. They, they it's a reference things. to the west coast of the U.S. No, yeah, okay. It's, it's, it's basically that style originated on the west coast of the U.S. and New England IPA is obviously originated in New England, right? Which, which is where the reference. Correct and me IPA if I'm wrong. Itself, Correct me so. if I'm wrong, but doesn't like I don't know about you, but I've had some IPA. I've had some IPA beers that I'm like straight up like this tastes like liquid marijuana. Yeah, because of the hops. Because right. Hops are the cousin of marijuana, right? Without the THC. I mean, if you try and smoke hops, you'll only end up with an asthma attack. Um, <laughs> good to know. Good to know. <laughs> take that off the bucket but, list. Uh, <laughs> take that off the bucket list. Um, but uh, uh, yes, because uh, one of the characteristics is marijuana that comes out of the aromatics of IPAs and that grassiness and dankiness. But you can also get fruit and citrus and spiciness. And it's a whole array depending on what hops are a bit like the spice in beer right and that adds a lot of the bitterness and and those those aromatics man it's crazy i know you like i remember visiting um you know the plant in uh in lebanon and i just remember coming into your office and just being mesmerized by the amount of uh like books and knowledge that just like I could literally talk to you for hours and for anybody who is um yeah see like beer burn city mezzan is a crazy legend anybody who's watching uh please you know feel free to um participate send in some questions write up your comments uh for mezzan for uh for hawkers and uh, we'll try to get to them we do appreciate you tuning in and we are watching you guys okay we're not ignoring you, but by any means. So hit us up. I'm just trying to get through some of these uh, the questions that I've whipped up. So is it is an XPA like a just like a double PA? Is that what XPA is? No, no, no. So X, extra pale ale. Um, it's basically it's an extra pale ale, and and okay. there are two interpretations to the style. The original interpretation was it referred to the color pale, and so it was supposed to be a very light beer in color representing almost like a Heineken, but fooling idiots who drink Heineken into drinking something more flavorful. Um, and then it, at some point it became an extra pale ale in terms of... <laughs> Sorry. Oh my God, bless you. It's allergy season up in this bitch. My, my, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry about that. 
Ah, it's winter season down on this side. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and the other version of it is it an XPA lives somewhere between an IPA and a pale ale, and uh, depending on on what style of beer, um, what interpretation the brewer has, that's what the style means. Okay. That's crazy. Technically, they're both pale ales, man. So they're yeah, both pale ales. but uh, it's not like a it's not like a wit beer. Then it's not like a no, no, no. No, right. No. It can have wheat in it, but it's definitely not a wheat beer. Okay, it's 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 very much a pale. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Education here on uh, on the podcast. Uh, we've got a question. <laughs> we got a question from somebody. Let's see here. Uh, Ryan Fayad writes, "What's the beer called in Leb?" Well, my man. I mean, there was Lebanese brew. There was nine six one beer. Um, those were the two beers that that I started back back when, but I haven't been involved in them for six years. Yeah. Um, so I've sold my share to um, my other shareholders and, and um, uh, the employees there. Yeah. So are they still are they still kicking, or is it kind of like curved back a little? Yeah. Bit? Last time I checked, yeah. Well, I mean, last time I checked, they were still producing. The guys were still there. Cool. Um, I I try and drop in every now and then. Um, but it, I'm very much focused on Hawkers and Rover these days. Yeah, uh, it's 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 really a full time job. Well, We've I, grown the business. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, you know, everything from design, the the look, and and like the vibes that I'm getting out of Hawkers is just like amazing, man. I love your design work. It everything is very clean and very uh, uh, appetizing, so to speak. You know, especially that latest. That latest one, I mean, for Christ's sakes, I thought it, it looks like it could be ice cream. You know what I mean? I just kind of, just kind of, uh, yeah. It actually does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Um, no, I mean, sorry to interrupt you, my man. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say, um, look, the original design was a guy pushing a cart and with, with a kind of a star uh, around him, uh, a sun around him. And um, that, uh, it was to signify the hawker, the salesman, the, the street vendor. And that kind of dissipated when I became an Australian citizen. I thought, okay, we're going to do a bit of a refresh after four and a half years and add the star, which is the Federation star. This is a symbol yeah. of, the, of the Australian Federation uh, into the name and actually incorporate independent uh, uh, Melbourne brewed independent beer because it, it was very important for us to tell the world that we were independent and we were not owned by any of the big multinational companies. Sweet. Yeah, that's, I mean, you've always been kind of one on the, on the beaten path, so to speak. And we'll get to that uh, later, but is working and owning a brewery different than you thought it would be? You know, I, I never started in beer. So I don't really have a background in beer. I didn't study beer. I didn't work in beer. I didn't come from a family that made beer. Um, you know, my originally I'm of a Muslim background. And so this baffles people's brains. How can a Muslim make beer? <laughs> right. Uh, which is great because in Lebanon, it's completely not an issue, right? But when you travel outside of Lebanon, they're all like completely baffled. Hey, you must be one of the Christians. I was like, no, actually, I'm not even an atheist. <laughs> right, but that's right. fine. <laughs> um, so the, the 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 journey here wasn't obvious. So I didn't have any ideas or any 
conceptions, a concept of what I wanted to achieve with this. Um, when I started 961 Beer, I had never been to a brewery in my life. I had never homebrewed. I had no idea what a stout was. I, all I knew was that when I was a kid in London, I drank Guinness and that was a stout. And then we had a mild and a bitter. I didn't know IPAs. I had no idea what the different lagers were. When I called the company originally to buy equipment to make the brewery, uh, the, the uh, brewery equipment, they said, how many different beers do you want to make? And I said, oh, I just want to make beer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, how hard could it I be? No Honestly. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> I, yeah, I had no idea what was going on. And um, ironically, it was a, it was my Danish best friend, um, Henrik, who was traveling to Beirut one day. And he said, you've grown tired of airlines. What do you want to do after airlines? What do you want to do after the corporate grind? And I said, I want to make beer, just randomly, because I had wanted to make wine and grow grapes in Lebanon and live in a village and 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 be happy and you know all the hula. But there were too many vineyards and it was too competitive and I couldn't be asked. Right. And I said, I said beer. Um, and that sparked him into, all right, let's do it. And I was like, look, don't tempt me. I quit my aviation job. I was the CEO of a national airline. I quit that, moved back to Beirut two months before the July 2006 war. Crazy. Um, yeah, called up a Canadian factory, tried to get them to explain what the different equipment was. And I had no idea what it was. Eventually ordered the equipment, flew to Canada and studied to be a brewmaster in uh, in a little town outside of Montreal called Saint-Étienne with a guy called Michel Gauthier, who used to be the head brewmaster for Molson. Um, and it, it was eye-opening because it was on that trip that I traveled through Graz in Austria with Henrik and discovered for the first time in my life what a little brewery looks like. I had never been inside the brewery. I tried to call Almaza to see what the, <laughs> what the brewery looked like. Right. And they're like, who are you? I'm like... I'm just a guy. I just want to go and visit. Just, the uh, like, just a spy, to be honest. Yeah. Can you uh, <laughs> show off. me the uh, technical data sheets and uh, maybe some of the logs that you've had? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it's fucking beer, man. It's yeah. not rocket science. <laughs> you know, cavemen used to make this shit in, in fucking vessels. It's right, like, right, right. It's funny how they all get productive, protective about yeah. the technology. Like it's some big secret. It's like KFC's an idiot. fucking twelve yeah. spices or whatever. <laughs> yeah. if, well, if an idiot with no education can do it, anyone can do it. Well. Anyone can do it, but not everyone can do it well. And no doubt you have certainly excelled at your craft, my man, because you've made some, some, um, you know, I, what do you call it? Like, um, uh, some eye busting or like you've made some impressive beers. So, you know, congrats. And, uh, Thanks. that's so, yeah. So in terms of you went in this kind of with, nothing but drive and, and like the desire to just make some beer. There was no previous, there was no previous experience and you just hopped into it. So look, my, 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 I think the big driver for me was my dad who was a member of parliament and a politician. Um, so many generations down had, had said to me, everything everyone does is pointless. The only thing of real value is the production of food because people can't live without sex, air, water, and food. Everything else is a luxury. You can do that. 
And it, it stuck with me because he said those are the most unglorified workers. You know, you look at a farmer with his dirty hands and you think, ah, peasant. Yeah. And that's the guy who's, without him, you wouldn't be eating anything. 100%. He is the, the single most important person in the job chain. And it always left an impression with me. So I grew up with my dad. My dad, during the Israeli invasion, used to make me work the field, out behind the garden behind our house in the mountains. So when I grew up, I planted 50 fruit trees. And I always wanted to be involved in, in, in growing things and producing food. And uh, producing beer, just to me, because there was so much wine and Lebanese had so much choice, whereas my inner nature hates monopolies. When I started the first airline, I wanted to break Middle East Airlines monopoly. When I started 961 Beer, I wanted to break Heineken's monopoly. Um, that that was partially the driver, but also a deep down appreciation of flavor, of food, of that artisanal side. Yeah. So of the beers that you've made, which is your favorite so far? Well, right now we have a team of... Um, quite a few brewers at Hawkers and uh, they know way more about brewing than I do. I, we have a team of stars who are putting together some of the most incredible beers I've ever had. Um, you know, the, we currently have the highest rated um, Imperial Stout in Australia. We won um, Supreme Champion Brewer at the International Beer Challenge in London and ended up listing for the first time Australian beer at Marks and Spencer's, 280 of them. Okay, wait, wait. S uh, say that again. You won what now? Supreme Champion Brewer. At the Supreme Champion Brewer! <laughs> <laughs> I just had to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so the team is just phenomenal, and they are producing some really impeccable beers. And you know what? People keep asking me which one's your favorite, and my favorite is whichever beer is sitting in my hand because <laughs> yeah. it's a reflection of my it's a it's reflection like, of my mood today and what I feel like drinking right now. And I'm actually finishing the sour, thinking mm, maybe I need to get that double IPA. Yeah. Um, so I love what the guys are doing. I have some input into the beer, but these guys just whack it out of the park every time. Yeah, we got P. Shippard uh, saying Haw Hawker's double IPA, I guess, and he's got the. Oh yeah, <laughs> people keep keep screaming out for the double IPA. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, we were actually discussing uh, putting that into the brew schedule, uh, definitely. And not only that, we, I mean, it was supposed to already be in the schedule, but this COVID thing put a hold on a lot of shit that we were planning to do. But I can tell you, uh, Mr. P. Shepard. That uh, or Mrs. P. Shepherd or Miss P. Shepherd or whatever, um, I can tell you that um, the, there's a couple of imperial stats that I got the pleasure of tasting today that are supposed to be coming out this year. We've got a rum barrel aged imperial stat, a whiskey barrel aged imperial stat, and our regular imperial stat, um, ranging from 10 point, I can't remember something percent ABV for the regular one. Almost twelve percent for the whiskey and thirteen point nine percent for the rum barrel aged. Damn! Stuff. Yeah. Wow, dude, you know how to work your magic. I'm telling you right now. Like, <laughs> I'm kind of, kind of feeling a little sexual tension going on right uh, now. I got the right on schedule there. Someone <laughs> likes the right on schedule. So that was our first hazy. Um, so we, I always thought hazy beers were lazy. 
lazy lung. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but uh, don't, don't touch the lazy part. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I always thought hazy beers were lazy. And, and New England IPAs, I, ne- I never really got them until I went to New England and had a chat with Nate from, from um, Treehouse and, and uh, Sean Hill from Hill Farmstead. And really found out that these guys are just masters of hops. Mm. They absolutely take it to the next level. And so we we started doing this foray into hazy IPAs and, and big IPAs with a series called the Fresh Coast Series. And so our next foray into uh, the hazies is going to be a triple hazy, a triple NEPA. So if you like Triton Schedule, which is the second one, I strongly recommend that um, probably th- two and a half weeks from now, you're going to see a triple hazy Nipah IPA coming out. And mm. it's, I can tell you from just looking at the recipe, I suspect it's going to be a one banger. Can you, uh, you know, when you say these things like triple IPA, I think of like figure skaters, you know, like doing the triple axle or whatever. <laughs> anyway. Well, this one's 10 and a half percent with probably somewhere between 20 and 30 grams per liter of dry hopping. So the losses, the, the cost of making this beer is just going to be fucking out of control. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, strong beers, I, I have some quick fire questions for you. Okay. And, um, you know. Oh, range. Great triple IPA. Yeah. I see the guys down there. So I'm, I'm starting to read a lot of these comments. Am yeah. I supposed to be doing this? No, 100%. We got to engage the people. Right, right, right. 100%. Right. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of, um, of, other brewers or other beer peoples that are, uh, yeah, keep the hazies coming. Beer uh, Burn City. Look, look, there is a surprise for people who like hazies. I'm not going to say any more, but it's four weeks away. It is huge. Fucking awesome, man. All right, so these quick fire questions, okay? Of the types of beer, and I, I, I know we may have gone through this, but you just you just got to try to come to the you say to the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Just don't overthink yeah. it. Quick fire okay. questions: What's your favorite type of beer? IPAs. IPA. Okay. What's your favorite limited release of your catalog? Uh, bourbon barrel aged imperial stout. This year's sorry, whiskey barrel aged imperial stout. R five. Oh so shit! It's a, it's a beer that we made for our five year anniversary. It's a 12.6% um, ABV. Um, it's called five. It's got five standard drinks, which is the way we measure alcohol in Australia, in a 500 ml bottle. And it was aged five months in whiskey barrels. Um, half of it was aged in oak whiskey barrels. The other half was aged in sherry oak, uh, sherry whiskey barrels. Fancy. It's fucking the bomb. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll have to take... Uh, you know what? I'm, you might have to uh, s- send me some of these... You know, uh, with your aviation connections or whatever, send a, a couple of planes <laughs> over full of uh, Hawker's beer for sure. Um, so I, I take it you're you're more into stronger beers versus the the regular four percent to six percent. Not true. No, 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 no. And I'm my go to beer every time is is our pilsner. I fucking love our pilsner. I think we make a banging pilsner. Um, it's it's the beer that is the hardest to make. Yeah. Because there's nothing to hide behind. Okay. What's my favorite brewery and beer in Oz? That's a that's a really hard question, actually. Um, I've got I've got a few favorite brewers. There's a few. I'd rather talk about brewers because I think uh, 
a lot of brewers make great beer and there's a lot of really great guys out there that just are spectacular um a lot of people inspire me um i think one of like i like phrase from exit um i like uh oh my god jesus i'm gonna start and my brain is name dropping my 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 brain is gonna lock into into meltdown because there's a lot of breweries and a lot of brewers that i really like and and it's it's i don't know what to say but i mean there's a lot of guys that i do have a lot of respect for yeah and even even some guys um from old school so like I, I love Chuck Han, for example, despite the fact that he's with fucking Lion Nathan, which is a big multinational. Uh, I still think the guy did a lot for the for the country in pushing craft beer forward. Um, yeah, there's a couple that I I don't have much respect for because of what they've done to craft beer in terms of selling out, but uh, not because they sold. I love Dave Boninton from Mountain Goat. Because after 19 years, he sold out, and it, it's every right. It's his every right to have a payday at some point. Right. But there's a few people who were just dishonest and, and uh, were snake oil salesmen. But there's a lot of there's a lot of breweries and a lot of brewers making great things. Well, there you have it. I hope that answers your question perfectly. Uh, I think that was pretty fair for sure. So, so you like our west coast <laughs> i love our west coast that that is actually my favorite beer in australia ah my, our west coast ipa all that right is, that is probably my favorite beer yeah my well, personal I mean, favorite beer marshall uh marshall prouse is agrees and basically says your shit's the bomb my man shit's the bomb all right yeah it's it's uh it's reigning trophy uh ipa at the aibs at the most prestigious awards wicked now, on to another unrelated beer thing, but still in the in the world of brewery and, and experiences. Have you ever had moonshine? Of course I have. I mean, I don't know. And what about and yet and yesterday we were filling all all our all the barrel aged beers that actually don't make the cut for us <laughs> end right. up being distilled into moonshine. <laughs> uh, okay, man. I hope you keep your eyesight or whatever. All right. I, 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 there's a company. There's a company in Melbourne called Melbourne Moonshine, and, and that's that, that's literally what they do. That's crazy. Oh man. Okay. So now here comes to some more hoity-toity pretentious questions. Uh, iced mug versus European warm style. A what? What? An iced ice mug, mug versus fuck iced mugs. Yeah. 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 Shit. Yeah, I know. I no, remember no, no, no. you I mean, telling me about this. I just wanted to have it on the record. All right. First of all, you're not, no yeah. beer tastes nope. better with iced mug, right? <laughs> <laughs> if you're so desperate to, to taste the inside of your fridge, just open the fucking fridge and lick it. <laughs> there you have that's it. what happens when you ice your mugs. That's You're collecting the aromas of onions and meat and whatever else is in your fucking fridge. Right. Well, you know, that's a North American thing for sure. I don't know if that's a popular, you know, I mean, I've seen people with beer cozies and stuff. So, I mean, they're definitely trying to keep the beer somewhat cool. It's not, a, it's not crazy. And that's right. But you don't serve it into an ice, ice glass because right. first of all, there's no point that's going to warm up. Secondly, you're basically demolishing the foam. And thirdly, when you put your glass in a fridge, it's going to accumulate all those flavors from the fridge and the aromas from the there's just no point. That's There's not no the point. right way to serve beer. I know. I'm an I'm an ignoramus. Okay, tall can versus stubby. 
don't care. Don't it's a lifestyle choice. Right. Value? Vessel, the beer cup. I don't know if it affects anything. Care. I'm not sure about value. I mean, if you wanted the value burger, you'd go to McDonald's, right? Does that make it the best burger? No, it no. doesn't. Not at all. Yeah. So, so I, for me, I don't look at value. I, I, I think of what I'm consuming, right? Yeah, yeah. And and um, I, I I would like to think that I try to spend a bit more on supporting good produce by good producers rather than just thinking purely value. I'd I'd rather consume less and better than more and shit. Okay. Speaking of uh, consuming and having like you know an 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 experience with your beer, um, what's your favorite food pairing? with your beers again it, it this is a f- fucking brilliant question because yes. most people think you know, good yes. good score over that <laughs> uh, oh can date and best before date i'll get back to that let me answer this question and I'll, I'll i'll answer the next one because that is a that is a brilliant question actually so for me um a lot of people think of, at least that's changing. That's definitely changed now. But you used to think of beer as an adult soft drink. You know, you have an ice cold beer on the beach. You drink half of it, then it tastes like shit. You chuck the rest out and you bring another one. And that that concept has changed because of we have so many different styles of beer. And it is so infinitely more flexible than wine. You know, any idiot who says cheese and wine is a fuckwit. Right? You should be drinking beer with cheese. Right? Uh... Should be drinking beer with cheese. Uh, and and <laughs> the reason I say this is because a lot of the cheese shots fired, dude. Cuts, shots fired. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, the reason the reason I say this is because um, beer is so much more flexible than wine. It has such a more varied palate, and so it depends on the beer. If you're having a sour peach beer that goes fantastic with a salad or with some grilled fish, if you're having an imperial stout that's aged in bourbon barrels. Fucking think of a chocolate fondant at the end of the evening. Oh. Um, think of think of brownies, think of chocolate cake, think of really rich cheese. Um, you know, we can we compare it with and if you look on our website, you'll actually see that we pair with food, cheese, and dessert. Yeah. Can date versus best before date? Best before date, definitely. And I'll tell you why best before date. I appreciate the attempt to get to freshness. Can date means nothing. When you end up in a retail store, you're, the problem that you have is if you don't put a deadline on when this beer ends, it continues to sell. You, you haven't defined when the beer ends. So our double IPA from 2017, we found a bottle in a bottle shop that he was still selling. Um, last year. Now that has completely transformed. It doesn't make it a worse beer. It just makes it a different beer to what we intended to sell to the market. And so for me, a best before date gives you the ability to determine an end date where the retailer can't sell beyond. Working out the best before, working out the candidate, just take a year off. It's very simple. It's not a complicated thing. And either way, Having either date on the back of the can doesn't mean anything. I'll, I'll get to Dan Murphy's in a second. And so for me, having either either date on the back of the can doesn't mean anything because that question on Dan Murphy's is very relevant. It is how the beer is being treated along the journey, right? And I know people point 
to Dan Murphy's. Dan Murphy's for the people who are not um, who don't know what Dan Murphy's is. Right, is basically one of our major retail outlets out in Australia. They have I don't know like hundreds of stores around the country, and they basically control. And they're they're accused of being the big guys in the business, and they are the big guys in the business. Uh, and they really don't care about anything other than shifting units. Although now they're caring a lot more. So the 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 thing about uh, what I was saying is it doesn't really matter the candon or the best before date because if you look at um, how beer is stored, if you store beer at two degrees centigrade, it can store for 600 days before it, it begins to age. And if you store beer at 40 degrees centigrade, it begins to age badly after a day. And so depending how it's transported, if it's left in a fridge, if it's left out in the parking lot, or, that's what matters. So buy beer from a trusted retailer. And I know you mentioned Dan Murphy. Some of the Dan Murphys really take care of their beers and turn their beers well. Some of the Dan Murphys don't take care of their beers, much like a big retailer. Mm. Also, some of the independents really care about their beers, and some of the independents don't give a shit. Um, so it's 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 much more of a question of do you know where you're buying your beer? Is he taking care of the beer? Does he understand the impact on beer? You know, that's interesting. I never really thought about that. When you, you said turning the beers, is that what you said? Like you gotta yes. move your Wow. No, no, not turn the bot not turn the bottle, but turn, turn the, over the stock around. Ah. Turn over this beer, right? And turn and, and make sure that the old stock is forward and the bad stock is bad. Uh, the, the the older the newer stock is in the back. Right. Think of milk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, don't yeah. buy a carton of milk and, oh, go I and live, shove it in. Hey, I live on the edge, okay? I roll the dice with my milk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. I shouldn't have said that to, to you, right? Yeah, yeah. All like, right. Who knows? Could be, don't... could be Lebanon. Could be Lebni. We don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, the, the the funny thing about beer is people assume it's shelf stable, right? And so they stick it in the garage, and you know they've got a barbecue an hour before they fucking stick the beer in the oh, freezer, no. and then they try and serve it, right? And then they forget a couple of beers, and the fucking beer explodes in the freezer, and who, which idiot left it? And there's this whole kerfuffle. But you don't do that to to your fucking milk because it turns. It does. You should treat beer like milk. You buy it, you keep it in the fridge. Yeah. Don't expose it to light because it skunks. Do not mistreat it. If you treat your beer well, it'll stay fresh, it'll stay vibrant, and it'll taste amazing. Well, there you have it from the the the, the man himself, the pro uh, pro tips with Mazen Hajar from Hawkers. That's that's sweet, man. Have you ever done this thing that seems like it's only in Australia? I've never seen it anywhere else in the world. Have you ever done a shoey? I have never done a shoey. <laughs> Why the fuck would I do a shoey? I don't know. I respect my beer. Yeah, I know. But I mean, like, you know, you, you kind of got to embrace the local traditions, right? Like, that's kind of a... Again, it's the same as the ice glass. If I want to taste the ice <laughs> glass. I just lick my fridge. If I want to taste my friend's socks, I just suck on his socks. Hey, man, you're not playing the field, all right? You got to do when in Rome, okay? Like, uh... yeah, yeah, all right, all right. I get, I get that. I get that. Sorry, there yeah, was yeah. a big question that we missed. Yeah, here's a big question from uh, from Marshall. Uh, do you care if punters are allowed to buy? I can't really see it because of the white background. Hold on. Uh, do you care? There we go. Do you care if punters are allowed to buy however much they want for special release beers, or should they it be limited, uh, i.e., to only four packs? 
it, it's it's a it's a really funny herd mentality and hype mentality. You know, a lot of these beers that where people are limited are super limited in quantity anyway that that are produced, right? There are breweries that just don't have the capacity to produce a lot of beer. If I can tell you today, if one of these beers that that is limited, they produced a hundred thousand liters of and not limited it, people wouldn't rush. And there's something about this hype machine that we get into. Yeah, people now drink a lot with their eyes more than their taste buds. And I keep telling people, forget the brand, forget what's on the label, forget all of this. Just close your eyes and taste it. If it tastes good, drink it. If it doesn't taste good, fuck it off. Who right. cares if it was hyped or not hyped? So I understand why the, there are limits on, on beer being bought in smaller quantities because a lot of people want to taste and experience this beer. And some brewers want to try and spread the love. I, I, I saw this at Hill Farmstead, uh, which is a genuine case where it's a heritage listed site and, and Sean cannot put any more tanks in. He's not allowed to under heritage law. Yet there is so much demand for his beer and he can't go and go off site because Sean moved to this farm. It's his heritage, it's his family. They're one of the original families from Greensboro and in Vermont. Uh, way before there was Greensboro. So he wanted to move back and do this whole revival of the farm. So he has a limited stock of beer. Does he sell out in the first day and then fuck off for 364 other days? Or does he try and share the love? I mean, it's a, it's. A... I'm not defending people who do that. There's, there's no right or wrong answer on that. The, if you're gonna... My answer to that... Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I get it. It's basically, you know, when there's a limited run beer, you know, you want people to to experience that shit. But how do you also turn down a customer? Well, I mean, this, the, I, I think that question comes from a recent incident that just happened last week. Um, Range Brewing had a two week a two year anniversary, and they released four beers for their two year anniversary. And Range Brewing's equipment is so tiny; they produce two thirds of nothing, like literally. Their whole year production, I think, uh, I was talking to Matt the other day, and he said they produce maybe 100,000 liters a year in the ah. brew pub. And they make fucking phenomenal beer. Right. They really make fucking phenomenal beer. These guys just make hazies, and they've nailed the style. So power to them. And, th you know, they've, they've found love within the local community. And on their second year anniversary, they released these four beers that sold out in 30 seconds. Wow. Um, online. But there was... Hardly anything. <laughs> well, that actually, right. that's an interesting little bit because I was going to ask you, how do you feel the internet has impacted, you know, the business? Um, COVID impacted the business more than the internet. COVID empowered the internet. So in the old days, we used to sell a carton of beer a week. Um, stop the four-pack four discount? What do you mean, stop the four-pack discount? I don't know. Sorry, Dan. Dan, you need to explain. Dan, the that champ, question. not so, so champ, right now this is with this question, my man. We're we're fucking with you, but uh, could you clarify, please? So, um, for me, uh, where was it? Jesus, what was the question? I was talking answering? about the internet, COVID. Basically, oh, it's true. Yeah. I mean, here it is. So, we're so doing we this, saw, right? Yeah, a lot and, of people. And we online. saw an explosion of people coming online and buying beer directly from us, right? Um, and and now we're doing you know, $1,000 a day where we were doing $50 a week. I'm just throwing whatever number. 
That's right. the kind of ratio that we're talking about. It, the internet empowers. Um, the downside of the internet is it also empowers, right? There's a lot of opinions out there and it just yeah. gives people the ability to become keyboard warriors and give you shit over all yeah. sorts of stuff. Um, I'm the authority. I, think, <laughs> I yeah. Listen, I drink beer and I know what I'm talking about. And uh, I'm going to give my opinion and you're going to watch it. And now everybody's going to believe what I, you know, have to say, you know, and you know, the best part about that is because I am behind the brand. I have to be extremely polite and I'm not allowed to go down to that level because I don't want to come across as being an overbearing dickhead. Right. 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 So I need to make the guy look like a dickhead or the girl look like a dickhead and not not be the dickhead myself it's really funny it's 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 frustrating sometimes because people you know not everyone but there's a lot of really great guys out there um but there's a few that are just a pain just a pain and they feel empowered because they feel that they can scare you into you know your brand being the monster and uh, yeah every man, now fuck and then that I will, fuck all yeah, that every shit now and then i Every now and then I do call out people just because we have 50 people, 50 employees who pour their heart and their soul and their sweat and their fucking blood into making this because they love what they do and they deserve better. And if I don't stand up for that shit, sometimes I feel like I'm letting them down. So no, sometimes, man. sorry, I apologize if sometimes I can be overbearing in my answers to people. I try not to be. I try to be as honest and as, as uh, this is. Craft beer is about celebrating diversity. It's genuine. Everyone has different tastes. If I passed lemon juice to all of us here in this room, we would all taste it differently because our palates perceive things differently. 100%. Add another layer on, and then you have a layer of preference. Not only do we perceive things differently, we prefer things differently. And the problem with that is that makes everybody uniquely different. So the idea that somehow this beer is good or this beer is bad, for me, this beer is good. For me, this beer is shit. And there is no right or wrong answer, and no one should try and impose this shit on anyone else. So I respect everyone's opinion. The, where I stopped that respect is when you try and belittle and, and become a snob on that. Yeah. I think... You nailed it right there, man. No, nobody likes a, a snob. No one likes a fucking, you know, uh, pretentious, whatever, over opinionated. You know, I, we get it. It's the internet. That's the, that's the tough thing. But, uh, we live in a weird world where, you know, everyone is connected and everyone has the ability to, to speak their mind and, and say whatever the fuck it is that they want to say. And sometimes yeah. it's like, Hey, maybe don't do that. But anyway, um, yeah. So there was a question about the IPA. I just want to clarify something yeah. about the IPA. It's not the same IPA. This has nothing to do with the old IPA. This is a completely new recipe of IPA. So it comes, again, from my exploration of what I like to drink. And I've noticed myself liking to drink less malty beers, more hop-forward beers. And so we've, we've devised the recipe. Actually, Hamish and Alex uh, in the brew house devised the recipe based on my request. Because... We all are enjoying more and more hops. And so we wanted the beer that finished drier, but wanted the beer that had way more hop character and we become be more hop forward than that. So we didn't take the old recipe and dumb it down six, to 6% 6 from 6.5. It's a completely new recipe with completely new uh, ingredients. And in fact, we use a steam ale from Oregon in, in uh, the US 
that is way more expensive than the caramel malts that, that uh, were before. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, Mar Marshall. I, I love the new one. That's why we made it, because that's the beer we drink in the, in the office. That's awesome. That's awesome, my man. And um, I know that you got you you have collaborated with master brewers before in the past. I know that you know you are learning constantly from each other uh, and, and improving in whatever ways you can. But is there a kind of um, a dream collaboration that you'd like to do? And like, how how what do you see coming out of that? Every every brewer I collaborated with is the dream collaboration at that time because these are all friends and this is such an all-encompassing um, little community and we all learn from each other and we all share really wonderful ideas. Um, is there a dream collaboration? Not really. There's so many people that I respect in the industry. There's so many fucking people that I respect and I adore and who are committed to their trade. You know, the, all the way on the spectrum of how committed they are to the, you know, there are fucking hermits who are just, you know, we were at <laughs> the alchemist and, and, and John is on, on the spectrum and he's just, he is so obsessed with doing the right thing, not just from a beer perspective, but you know, from an environmental perspective, from taking care of his people, doing right by his, the society around him. This is the beautiful thing about craft beer is it, it, it goes beyond just the art of making beer. It goes into, and we talked about it. Remember, I mean, even back when in Beirut, uh, when I was there, you know, I was, I, I, we took a decision as 961 Beer to engage with local artists. Back when people weren't even famous, they were just coming up and we were trying in our little capacity. We had very tiny little capacity. We were trying to do the right thing by people back then because it's it's more of a moral and ethical stance. 100% man. And you know, I can tell you that the scene certainly oh, uh, appreciated fill, your fill ass. Fill the space. I'm going to get a beer. All right. Um, I can tell you from personal experience, uh, I used to drive up to uh, Yashur or like up the mountains of Lebanon where the uh, 961 beer plant was. And there was a fucking crazy ass steep impossible to drive like <laughs> thought i was gonna die a couple of times bro i had the the keg machine in the in the back of the in the back of the wagon and here it is i'm going down this fucking mountain just like i don't know if i can handle this it was crazy crazy but anyway going up you know just putting into fucking second and just flooring it up this mountain we get to the we get to the uh to the to the, the beer plant and uh, I just remember, yeah, man, just getting like kegs and kegs and kegs of that good, good, man. And then showing up to the party. And it was that thing, whether it was the Beirut Groove Collective, whether it was the album release party, whether it was the happy hour hammer time. I don't know if anybody knows this, but we were doing like beer pong events. We were doing fucking everything that we could to give young punters an amazing, amazing beer for an amazing, amazing deal. And I don't think you could legally do that anywhere in the world. Not, not in Australia, no. And, and you know why we did it? Because I, I believed in diversity, right? I, we, we, back in 1961, we sponsored the metal festival. And I fucking yeah. hate metal. <laughs> what? I, Come I, on, man. I, you know, I, well, I mean, look, <laughs> I, <laughs> on a personal level, I don't want to fucking slip my wrists in the toilet. I mean, yeah. To, you know, 
Uh, I, it, it, it's not my type. Of you don't like emo. That's the slitting the wrist shit. But anyway, go on. <laughs> well, I, I wanted... It was very important for us to, to sponsor diversity and to encourage all these young artists because no one knows where it could end. I, re I remember we sponsored Lazy Lung and we sponsored Mashrua Leila and we sponsored all these guys back when literally they were coming onto the scene. And nobody, right. we sponsored Wanton Bishops. We did the first concert for Wanton Bishops. And this is the kind of attitude that I took back to Australia. Today, we are in the final phase of issuing shares to our employees. Hawkers is going to become an employee-owned company. Because I think even if we eventually there is a sale of the business, then the people who have built this business deserve a share of that profit. This is a, Business is not about the stainless steel. It's not about the fucking money. It's up to uh, the people who put their, their blood and uh, sweat into it. So, we, yeah, we started with four employees and we're now at 50 employees. I, I, I don't know how big we'll get. I don't really care how big we get. The, the, the reason we do what we do is because we love beer and we enjoy the journey. And we have an amazing team, really. I mean, the, the one thing that positively came out of COVID is that the whole team came together. And everybody shared the pain around because we're all in this boat together. Uh, we just did what we had to do to support each other. And it was amazing. On that note, I'm going to be drinking a Steph Likes a Party, which is a collaboration beer with a bunch of hop growers from Washington State called Bale Breaker. These are the ninth generation hop or eighth generation. I can't remember. They're, they're, a, they're a wonderful um, two guys called Kevin, Kevin Smith and Kevin Quinn. Kevin Quinn is married to Kevin Smith's sister or the other way around, I can't remember. Too many inbred people in Yakima Valley. Uh, but they fucking make awesome beer. And this is an experimental hop, 692. It's a 9.5% double IPA, amber double IPA. Oh, and, that uh, sound. That fucking sound, goddamn. Look at, look at the color of this monster. That's amazing. Ah. Dude. Uh, Oh, and it smells and tastes just... Habibi. Oh. Cheers to you. Well, coffee. cheers, my man. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining us. Mm. We've got a minute left before this this uh, conversation gets closed. 30 seconds, actually. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time, my dude. You're an amazing, amazing guy. I can't wait to uh, to meet you again someday. And uh you, dude. Stay strong. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for, yeah. for joining us. All right. Have a great night, my man. All right, guys. Peace. Peace out. Stay safe. Peace. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That concludes today's episode. An amazing one for sure. God damn. I hope you were uh, a fan of the thing. Like what you did. Follow us.